In the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The text for the sermon this evening of the Ascension of our Lord is from the Gospel lesson read a moment ago from Luke chapter 24. Here again the word of the Lord. And Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. So on this day, the Lord's Church celebrates the ascension of Jesus, recalling how 40 days after Easter, Jesus was taken up into heaven. So tonight we'll take a few moments to consider what exactly is going on in the ascension, as where did Jesus go, and what exactly does it mean for us who are here, left behind. So first, there's just a picture of the event. So Jesus has made himself known to the disciples many times after his resurrection, and he's continued to teach them. And then he appears to them finally at Bethany, which obviously, obviously is the namesake of our church and school. And also then the significance of why this ginormous Jesus on the cross behind me isn't just indicating that someone scored a touchdown, but rather that he's raising his hands in blessing. Which is, what Jesus, which is what Jesus did at his ascension. So just before his ascension, he raises his hands, blesses his apostles, and then he's taken up into heaven in some kind of a cloud. And we'll unfold that in just, in just a moment. And then a couple of guys in white robes show up next to him, which is always indicative in the scriptures as angels, the presence of angels. This is the ones who are there on that first Easter morning. And they tell the disciples, stop gawking up into heaven and get on with it. And they go running back to Jerusalem with great joy, uh, spreading the word. And that's what they continue to do. And that, and that same work of spreading the gospel continues on to this day. So Jesus ascends up into heaven and is gone. Or so it would seem. In our experience, when people leave us, they are gone. It's pretty obvious. When you have family come into town or friends, they're with you for a few days, you enjoy your time together and your meals, and then there's that sad moment where you have to kind of give the hug and they load up the car and they drive down the road and you wave and they're gone. And you go back to the house that's now empty of all that excitement that you were once enjoying and you have to kind of clean up and get back to normal. But when Jesus ascends into heaven, he is not leaving. And that's essential for us to kind of grasp at the ascension, is that when Jesus ascends into heaven, he's not leaving us, but rather he's making himself even more present than he was before, just present in a different way. So how can this be? How can his leaving make him more present for us? So as we contemplate this, we can start by considering his incarnation, that is, his becoming flesh, his coming into the womb of Mary and becoming fully man. So he would have had these same hands that were raised in, in blessing. He would have had those hands inside the womb of Mary. But when they were, and this is, think about this, when, when Jesus' hands were inside the womb of Mary, they were not any longer in heaven. Really, they hadn't been in heaven yet before because he hadn't been made flesh yet. But those hands that were in the womb of Mary weren't anywhere else. They weren't yet in Jerusalem. 
They were rather in Mary's womb as she's riding down to Bethlehem to finally have the baby. And so Jesus had hands as he grew up. They were working with his earthly father as a carpenter in the town of Nazareth. But when those hands were hammering away in Nazareth, they were not simultaneously in Jerusalem. They were only where Jesus's body was in Nazareth. And when finally his hands were nailed to the cross, those hands were not anywhere else but nailed and bleeding on that cross in Jerusalem. He became man, took on flesh, so that he could be specifically located in his body, so that he could die for you and your family in his body. So he wasn't everywhere. He was specifically in the body of Jesus so that he could die in his body. But after his ascension, he's no longer bound to the limited specific location of his human body. Now he is still fully man, as we kind of beat into the kids' heads during confirmation, Jesus is true God and true man. And even after he ascends into heaven, he maintains his humanity, but in a different way, because now he's exercising his divinity, his Godness, even more fully than ever before. So now he's no longer located only wherever his body is, as he was before, but now he makes himself present even here, now. Although we don't see Jesus walking around in his robes and his sandals like he was back in the first century AD, he is wherever he locates himself to be for us. So in that way, he's even more present after his ascension than ever before. During his earthly ministry, he was only in one place at a time. But now he can be anywhere and everywhere simultaneously. He is with us now, just as much and as fully as he, as he is with Christian missionaries who are imprisoned in China for preaching the gospel today. And he's just as fully with those receiving the Lord's Supper at the hands of faithful pastors in Ukraine and Russia alike, even now. And he's with us just as fully as he is with any mother and father saying their prayers with their child tonight as they tuck the children into bed. But where exactly is Jesus like right now? Where did he go? So he, he rises up into a cloud and is taken up into heaven. So don't be fooled into thinking, I always used to think of like when you're a kid and you've got like a helium balloon and you go outside and you let it go and you can see it for a while. And then finally, it's kind of just gets so high up that it's gone. So if you think about the ascension like that, where the disciples are there watching Jesus and he just kind of keeps going and going and going and they finally can't see him anymore. That's not what happened. So they're down in the town of Bethany and Jesus ascends into heaven, maybe even just a little bit. And then a great cloud comes and consumes him. So when you read the scriptures and you see clouds, we think Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. We think the Mount of Transfiguration with the presence of God, the booming voice of God the Father. We think the presence of God in the temple. So this big cloud presence is the presence of God that is really heaven itself, that breaks into earth and snatches up Jesus. And so now Jesus sits in what we could, we could call the heavenly courtroom, the heavenly throne room. And he ascends to the right hand of God as we confess it in the creed. 
But where's the right hand of God? Well, where is your right hand? Is, is it not where the rest of you is? So the right hand of God would be wherever God is. And God, and really the language of the right hand of God is, is to have the full authority of God himself. So now Jesus, having ascended into heaven, sits with God, fully as God, and now manifesting his authority. That is, he rules and reigns on the throne as the lamb who is slain, but now risen and now wearing his crown. What's he doing there? He's interceding for you. That is, he's standing before God the Father, and Satan is bringing his accusations. Hey, look at all the sin these people have. And Jesus is standing there in your defense, saying, don't look at their sin. I died for that. But here's all my good works. Look at these instead. Day in and day out, interceding for us and praying for us. Jesus, your Jesus is praying for you, for all those things that burden you. He knows it, and he's praying for it, just as fervently and more so than even you, that we would be kept in his name and with him always. And he's rejoicing with the saints in heaven. Remember that, that thief dying next to Jesus, and Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus is rejoicing with those saints who have gone before us in a way that we can't even fully comprehend. And even, uh, as we know from the scriptures, rejoicing with the angels and every sinner who repents and believes the gospel. So he, re he rejoices there with us and the saints who have gone before us. But he's not just up in heaven, wherever that might be, in that realm totally un un incomprehensible to us in our human experience. But he has placed himself with us here in our physical world, in our space and time, just in a different way than he was when he was walking around in his robe and sandals. He has placed himself and continues to abide with us wherever his word is spoken. We think back to John 1, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word. And so whenever that word of God is preached and proclaimed, we know Jesus is present here among us. He's present wherever his name is. So recall in our baptism in Matthew 28, as Jesus sends out his disciples to baptize, he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into my name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you, not just for the next few minutes before I ascend into heaven, but I am with you always because I have put my name upon you. And still today, he calls us together to his name. That's why we begin every service in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because we're calling ourselves together in God's name. And as he has promised in Matthew 18, wherever two or more are gathered in his name, there he is. But he doesn't just pop into, into bodily form in the same way that he was in the first century, but he has promised to be with us nonetheless. And he's with us in his supper, as he feeds us his true body and blood and his Lord's Supper, making himself present. Why? To handle our biggest problem, to forgive our sins, to cleanse our shame, to strengthen our faith, and to be our life, to be present with us as our life in a world of death. And by the way, that true presence that we confess in the Supper is precisely why the church the sanctuary is designed in the way that it is. 
why we worship the way that we do. Just as you go to a football game, the main, the, the main reason that you're there is the thing that all the seats are pointed at. Same with the sanctuary. The main reason why we're here is to receive the, the full presence of Jesus. But I think it's really, I mean, I never put it together until I was prepping for this sermon that with the ascended Jesus is so tightly associated with the Lord's Supper here in this place. So we, we would think about Jesus ascending, yes, but not ascending and gone, but ascending and still making himself present for us in his supper. So it's perfectly located just above the altar. And sometimes the pastors and I get worried that he might fall down sometimes. So we've got to get the trustees to check the screws on that every now and then. But there is a significance for why it's there. To keep us mindful that the Lord Jesus has ascended and yet he's not gone. He's still with us. So where is Jesus? He is at the right hand of God. He's with God in heaven, but also wherever he has located himself to be for you. And now what this means for you. Finally, he is Lord of all. That is, he reigns on his throne. It didn't seem that way when he was dying on the cross, wearing a crown of thorns, but now he wears the only crown that the Almighty of Almighty wears. He reigns on his throne. But at times it seems in this world like things are out of control, that he is not reigning. It seems in this world of war and disease and chaos, it seems out of control sometimes in your life of family struggles and bodies that fail us and vocations with their challenges and sin and memories of sin that haunt us. But things are not out of control. Your Lord Jesus reigns and he has overcome the forces of evil and abides with us still today in this life. He knows what he's doing, even working through evil to bring about good for you. You are not alone and you need not fear as if Jesus ascended and is now absent. I mean, just think about what that would have meant if Jesus' ascension into heaven meant that he was gone. That would leave us alone in this out of control world to face it all in great fear and panic. But he's not gone, he is present with you and for you. So he's with you in your job. He's with you in your classes. He's by your side at the hospital in your times of suffering. He's with your family around the dinner table. He's even with those sheep that have wandered from the fold who yet still bear the Lord's name. He is our ascended Lord, but he is more present with us now than ever before, forgiving our sins, bringing life into our death, bringing joy into our everyday life, and bringing his peace into a broken world. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand for prayer.